we are finishing a talk that we've, uh, a series we've been in for the last couple of months called Gifted. But let me start with asking you this question. Do you know what you're eating tonight? Does anybody know what they're eating tonight yet? No? Yes, somebody, some people know. You're good, good planners. Um, my wife and I mutually made a decision recently, and you can chat with her about it. My daughter will probably poke fun at this, but that I would, I would try and do a little bit more cooking. I won't get you into the whole thing. It was just like a trial, and I know you're all wondering, like, is that even possible? What might happen to my family if, this, you know, if they eat under my guidance? Um, we did not starve. I can promise you we did not starve. Julia's already making comments about this as I'm saying it. Uh, but here, here's what I noticed. Here's what I noticed that I didn't really notice before, is that everyone likes something different. Everybody likes something different, and we're only a family of four, and so if you're bigger than that, bigger family than that, or grew up in a family that was bigger than that, you might notice that. Everyone wants to benefit, but not everyone benefits. Now imagine you have like 10 people that come over to your house, and you're wondering like, who's allergic to gluten? Who's allergic to lactose? Who's allergic to peanuts? Who's on a diet? What's your special diet? Are you just eating less, or are you staying off certain foods? Uh, Do you not have a taste for something spicy, or do you have a taste for something? I mean, the, the list can go on, right? About like, how can we possibly make everyone benefit? And you just can't make anything, but you do want to feed everyone, right? So I asked the question, whose need is most important in all this? And my obvious answer is my needs. Like, my needs are, are the most important. Like, whatever I'm eating in that season, everyone's going to eat. That's kind of like where my mind goes to. And, uh, and that, that's just kind of what happens. But wouldn't life be so easy if you just made decisions on everything that benefits you? Wouldn't that be easy? Wouldn't it be awesome if like, you just planned your day for everything that benefits you and nobody else? That would be really cool. And maybe you're not as self-centered as I am, but that's kind of like, you know, that's, that, that would be a way that I would lean if I could in my own, you know, sinfulness. But today, I want to close our series on spiritual gifts. We've been talking about spiritual gifts for uh, about a month and a half or so. And um, we've had some breaks with some guest speakers. But I want to I wrap up today because we've been talking about spiritual gifts through this series called Gifted. And so far, as we've walked through particularly 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and today 14, we've discovered that, that God's very own Holy Spirit gives gifts to his church, to, to his people, to serve one another and to serve the world. That, that everyone that uh, calls Jesus Lord is part of his body, and the Holy Spirit gives each of us gifts to serve one another for the common good. The Holy Spirit is the giver who gives these gifts. We are benefactors, and God wants to use us in his kingdom. And the question I want to finish our series with today is how do we discern and decide on what gifts are needed in a ministry environment or worship gathering so everyone benefits? How do we discern and decide? And I know some of us might say, well, if the Holy Spirit gives these gifts, then doesn't he just pour it on and we just kind of follow? And yes, I mean, the Holy Spirit is the one we ultimately want to be in control and to lead our lives and our gatherings in our church. But Paul, as we're going to look at today in 1 Corinthians 14, he actually brings himself some discernment into the picture of what it means to use our gifts. And I want to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to it. It's, it's going to be on the screen as well. And I think this one verse really summarizes the chapter, and we possibly on a summer Sunday where we're trying to have shorter gatherings cannot go through this whole chapter. But we're going to highlight some pieces. But here's how Paul starts it off. Follow the way of love 
and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So I'm going to pause there and pray before we jump into more of this. God, this is just the start of this chapter, and yet the end of this series is we, we do our best to, um, to speak uh, and share these, this theme from the Scriptures for our benefit, for the benefit of the mission you've called us to, uh, for how you use us with each other. And Lord, as we walk through this text today, Lord, ultimately we, we ask your Holy Spirit to lead and guide us, uh, move in us, work in us, and may we be open to hear um, what you want us to hear today for your glory and your mission. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Paul, when he starts off this verse, now you're thinking like, wait a second, there's some stuff here. If you've been with us in this series, might even throw us off in what Paul said before. But Paul brings this teaching together. He, he obviously believes spiritual gifts are important. They're necessary. It's God's uh, way designed for all of us to serve one another. He talks about love. He says, follow the way of love. And if you were with us a few weeks ago, we looked at chapter 13, that we just don't want to do the right things in the right places with the right people. We said we want to do them in the right way. And Paul stops his whole teaching on gifts to say, before you go ahead, before you do anything else, you have to have the posture of love. And we, we, we paused and looked at that a couple of weeks ago. But then he says here, and he throws us off a little bit, he says, follow the way of love, eagerly desire the gifts, but especially prophecy. And it sounds strange because in chapter 12, Paul says all the gifts are important. In fact, Paul is, is struggling with an issue with the Corinthian church because they put one gift over another, happened to be tongues over prophecy and tongues over other things. And he says, wait, wait, all the gifts are important. You all have a gift. It's all part of what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do here with you. And then Paul says, desire the gifts, but especially prophecy. And what he introduces here is this, this uh, moment where he is trying to help them discern what would be most valuable in that moment for them in their worship gatherings. He's not saying that now prophecy is better than the other gifts because he'd contradict what he said in chapter 12. But he's, he's helping them because, see, the Corinthian church, they were caught up with a sticky situation. A, a few of them were very excited as they got this spiritual gift called tongues, where they, in their prayer, in their prayer times, uh, in their time with the Lord, the Lord gave them this gift of, of speaking kind of like a different language. And sometimes we can describe it as a groan or, an, or a moaning from our hearts. And often it's, it comes out as a language. And today I'm leaving you with this bombshell. And some of you are thinking like, I wish you would say more about this gift than we have in the past and I will in the future, but not today, okay? So you can send me an email later and, and, uh, and just... But here, here's the thing. Some people got caught up around the excitement of this gift of tongues. It was a, it was a great gift to be able to pray as the Spirit leads you uh, and not just with your own thoughts or your own circumstances. And it was a wonderful gift that the early church and since people have experienced in times of prayer, in times of worship, and often for the community when it was interpreted for the, body, the larger body to hear. But that was not always the best gift for every ministry environment. And Paul gets into that as we, we move forward. Have you ever heard this phrase, like, if, if your only tool is a hammer, you're going to bang everything, right? If your only tool is duct tape, you're going to tape everything. And if the only thing you pull out of your purse is lipstick, I don't know, you figure out what you're going to do with it, right? So, so, that's, so, so here, in this in a sense is like, we don't only have one tool in our toolbox, there's not only one gift, and we end up 
discerning and choosing. So instead of, I don't want to teach about tongues or prophecy today, what I want to end this series on is equipping us to discern and decide how and when we use gifts. And we're going to use this Corinthian example or this Corinthian issue as an example. And I think the first thing Paul helps us with is he says this, or I'll say it in what I think he's saying, is discern your context. Discern your context. Look at, look at verse 4 where Paul says, or I'll start from verse 2. He says, anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Paul's not knocking tongues. He's just describing what it is. In verse 3, he says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And here's verse 4. This is a verse we'll hang on. Anyone who speaks in tongues edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I'd like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather you, ha- you prophesy. The one who prophesies is, is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets. So there's a place for that gift in the larger body, but not on its own. Then he says, so that the church may be edified. And here's verse 4 is pretty cool because verse 4, Paul is, 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 is helping us discern a context. He's saying anyone who speaks in tongues edifies themselves, private. That's the context, private. But anyone who prophesies edifies the church, public. Private, public. Those are two different contexts. And Paul is trying to help the church when we exercise our gifts to discern our context. Tongues was a gift that mainly functioned in private because no one understands you if you're speaking in tongues. Paul doesn't forbid tongues. He only acknowledges that, one, it mainly benefits you and your personal relationship with God when there's no interpretation. And it can benefit others if there's an interpretation. Now, some people look at this text and will say, Paul you know, trashes on tongues, therefore we should never use it. It's a weird thing. Don't talk about it. We'll talk about it another day. I won't talk about it today. But here's, here's a biblical tool for interpretation. And I wrote it like this on the screen. Paul corrects misuse. And here's this. Correction for misuse is not non-use, but good use. We need to remember that. Like when we read a text like this, sometimes we're unfamiliar with the situation. We're like, oh, well, Paul's obviously saying stay away from that like a 10-foot pole, right? But he's not saying that. He's, he's not correcting misuse with non-use. He's correcting misuse with good use. Or if you speak English well, you'd say proper use. But I just wanted you to remember good. So, so that, that's what he's saying there. Now, he ends up talking about prophecy because everybody can understand when someone prophesies because it's in their language. For Paul, it was Greek. For us, it's English. In other pockets, it's different languages. Tongues is a great gift. And like Paul, I hope all of us can come to experience the gifts as God desires. It's beautiful, encouraging, and intimate. But tongues is one of those gifts that needs to be used within, with discernment. With discernment, Right? If it's in public. And he clarifies that. Verse 13, I'll just read it for you. He says, For this reason, the one who speaks in tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. Because if they don't, it only benefits themselves and not others. And he, he goes on to compare tongues to an instrument that's not playing its part. You know, and and he, he describes that in a few verses later, verses 6 to 11. And, it's, and he also describes it to foreign languages. It's like my parents' mother tongue was Italian, and so if you go speak Italian in a room of Arabs, they're not going to understand you, right? If you go speak English in a room of, of strictly Chinese-speaking people, they're not going to understand you. Great language, but it doesn't work in the moment, right? You choose 
to change at that moment. The, the flute is a great instrument, Paul says, but it doesn't work when you want to call out an army, right? The drums are a great instrument, but it doesn't work when you want to put your kids to bed, right? Wonderful instruments, but you choose when you're going to use them. And Paul is saying you need to discern your context and use the gifts that God has given you in the right way at the right time. And so this discerning is using my gift to either benefit me or others. What's your context? Public or private me or public? And you've probably been with some friends where they've blurted out stuff that they're maybe very smart on or attuned to. My, my brother, older brother, walked into a very trendy jeans store in San Francisco once. Now, if you know my brother, he buys his jeans at Costco, so it wasn't a great store for him to go, go to. And they sold $200 jeans. And the salesman looks at him and says, Sir, you need a jean intervention. You, we just need to change this. This is bad, right? So my brother left because he's never spent more than 30 bucks on jeans, so he's not going to spend 200 right? But... If this salesman would say that kind of on the street when he meets people with friends, his friends would probably say, hey, just keep your fashion sense to yourself. Just in your inner voice, not your outer voice, right? Keep it private, not public. A couple of years ago, I was part of another church, and um, there was a moment when there was a new person who came to faith and started growing in faith, um, and they, they really were, were growing in their love for Jesus and uh, how they were serving Jesus and just genuinely being transformed in their life. They ended up being invited to a, a small group of women who prayed regularly every week. And these women particularly um, prayed kind of like no one was listening, you know? So they, some of them did have this gift of tongues. And I remember this new girl who came to faith. She came to see me privately. She's like, Dave, I don't, I'm a little, I don't know what to do in this situation. Uh, they're praying. I don't understand them. I've asked them about it. They said it's something they have. And, and I remember thinking, oh, here's this brand new Christian, doesn't understand all this. She walks into a, an environment where people, at least these two or three people, have already kind of pre-decided that this environment is okay to, to do this, which it could be if they've decided that. But now someone else has come into the picture. So I remember saying, okay, let's all meet. So all these four women, we all meet together. I chat with them and I say, why don't we just read 1 Corinthians 14 and see if you can come to a conclusion. So we read through 1 Corinthians 14 and describes these differences of when to use your gifts. Two of the women, their eyes lit up. They said, oh my gosh, I never realized this, that sometimes I should hold back or make a different decision for the sake of another person. But two other women said, so what? I'm like, what do you mean, so what? It says it in 1 Corinthians 14. They're like, oh, when I want to speak in tongues, I'll speak in tongues. I'm like, but, this is, but did, we, did we just read this together? Yeah. Didn't he say, yes. But they almost were saying, I don't care what the Bible says. I'm like, well, then I can't help you. But we came to this conclusion that Paul is trying to help us discern our context and how we use our gifts and that can be the same with many spiritual practices that need discernment. Think of the difference between knowledge and, and teaching or shepherding. Someone who loves to absorb information, they get a spiritual high. Like I, I personally love when I read, I feel like I'm getting a spiritual high. But you know, there's a, a spiritual high when they read or reflect or process. They feel close to God when they articulate what they learn. And sometimes they get into a group of three or four people and the first question that comes up in, in a Bible study, they might just, you know, hijack the conversation because they have pre-read and looked at all the commentaries and they've been in a spiritual ecstasy in the week because they've been doing this and now they just unload it on everybody. And it's like, that, this wasn't the time to use your spiritual gift of knowledge. 
It was your time to be discerning and listen and possibly slowly help people get towards this, right? And that's when it's like, what's your private context? What's your public context? And maybe somewhere in between. Discern your context with the different gifts that God has given you. We're just using Paul's uh, example with the Corinthian church as an example. But we can apply it to all of our gifts, and I'll show that in a second. Here's the next idea. Decide on your contribution, Decide on your contribution. I think verse 13 is up there. Is that up there, uh, Abigail, the next one? Oh, verse 14. So, so let's read further. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you're praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving? So it's like you're all excited about what the Lord is doing in your heart and the other person's just looking at you and Paul's saying, how can they say amen if they don't even understand what you just said? And um, since, yeah, since they don't know what you're saying, verse 17, you're giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. That's pretty blunt. Here's verse 18 and 19. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church... I'd rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So in a church gathering or in a, a worship gathering. Verse 19, Paul's making a decision. He is specifically making a decision. He says, I wish all of you speak in tongues or I speak in tongues more than all of you, but, and he makes this decision. He's deciding how he will contribute to that environment in that moment. You see, did you catch how he's making that? He moves from discernment of his context to, to deciding how he will contribute. And he's asking the question, what gift will most be appropriate for this context? How will people get impacted in this moment when we use our gifts? What do people need in this context? That's what Paul's getting at. So in verse 19, he specifically is speaking about a church context, right? In verse 19, he says, in the church... I'd rather speak five intelligible words so other, to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. He's speaking to believers, and he's saying, how am I going to decide in this moment for the believers present to benefit? So I'm gonna, my contribution will be uh, discerned and decided on. But in verse 23, he speaks about a different crowd. He speaks about inquirers or unbelievers. So in verse 23, he says, so if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say you're out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they're convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all. Because in Paul's mind, prophesying is speaking God's truth, is speaking God's word. Um, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. So here's another environment, inquirers, unbelievers, those who are seeking. Paul's saying, you must decide how you're going to contribute in this moment after you've discerned your context because you got inquirers here. And what's your hope for them? What's your desire for them? What's your longing for them? Do you want them to discover who God is through Jesus Christ and the good news? If so, make sure they understand and, and without getting too caught up with the issue in Corinth, the bigger principle is decide your contribution. Decide what's going to happen. I want you to consider some other situations here. You might go to the hospital uh, 
you know, to, to visit someone and you have, you have several gifts maybe that God has blessed you with. Maybe one is the gift of leadership and one is the gift of mercy. Well, well when you walk into the hospital to visit that person, if you just, for your own self-benefit, because you love to exercise the gift of leadership and it makes you feel great, you kind of see a problem at the nurse's station and you go around and say, hey, God, you can organize this a little better. I can just spend five minutes with you and keep, you know, organize this coordinator for you and let you go. But in the moment, what, is that, what, is, what does a hospital visit need? Mercy. It doesn't need your leadership. It doesn't need you to analyze the flow chart and tell everybody where to go. It needs your mercy. It needs the gift of mercy that the Holy Spirit's given you so you can encourage that person. And so you decide your contribution in that moment. I, I love to teach, and, and let's say I had the gift of administration. I don't always do, but let's pretend I do, right? Um, and so in this moment, my gift of administration kicks in, and I start looking at the chairs, and I'm like, Nick was on setup today. There's three chairs off. I'm gonna t-, and I'm just like, could you move these chairs? Can you make them better? We need a flow here. So now my gift, of, th- would that help you in the moment? You're like, who ca- Dave, who cares about the chairs? Just, just preach, right? And so, so that's... This deciding your contribution. You might have a friend who's going through a very difficult sickness and you've Googled, all, you've like read up on all the statistics. When they come, when you meet with them, do they need the gift of faith or do they need the gift of knowledge where you say, I've read up on this, your chances are 53%. Right? You, you decide your contribution. And this is Paul's ultimate filter as he's, he's explaining this to the Corinthian church. The filter is the impact of the person in the room. The impact of the person in the room. Who is in front of you? Who is in this community? Who is in this gathering? That's so vital. That's why part of even us, as we come together as a church community, we know that you will bring a friend. We know that a family member will show up. We know that someone will come in, uh, uh, you know, that just kind of found us. And so we, we want to live with that tension. We want to teach the scriptures. We want to worship God, whole, God wholeheartedly. But we also want to let the person that comes in for the first time say, hey, this is what we're doing for the next 20 or 30 minutes. We just want you to know. Uh, if you have any questions, we'd love for you to that we'd love to reach out with you later. Uh, maybe you're, you're, you feel really awkward in this moment as we're sharing communion. This is what's happening, and this is what you can do as we do that. You brought your kid today, and we just dismiss everybody to Kids Quest, and that first parent is like, where did everybody go? What do I do? I don't know. Do I just follow the kids? Are they going to be safe? No, well, we say, hey, when you, you can head out, you can register your child, someone's going to help you. Why do we do that? Because we're thinking of everyone in the room. Right? And so often I'll tell our worship leaders, don't just dismiss the kids, but think about the guest who's in that moment. When there's guest speakers here, and some of them are great and, and have much more experience than me, but as the pastor of our church, I say, hey, hey, don't just think about your sermon. Think about the people in the room. This is where we're at these days. When we train people in our alpha groups that where people are searching for faith, we often say, don't just give your answer because there's a hurt or a pain or a question behind their question. Take some time to let them uh, process this. They need to talk more than they need your answer in the moment. And so what are we doing? We're deciding our contribution. And this is kind of the, I think, what Paul is saying with how the gifts of the Spirit work. The gifts of the Spirit are not just an automatic download from the Holy Spirit without zero control. 
It's not that, and it doesn't matter what gift it is, whether it looks like more of a supernatural charismatic gift or it looks like more of a functional pragmatic gift, even though all the gifts are charismatic. Paul is somewhat helping us understand it's not just an automatic download from the Spirit and we have no control. That's what he's saying about tongues and prophecies is you have control. You can decide in that moment. So we can discern and decide how and when to use our gifts. And this has happened with me in times of prayer or when I'm praying with people or, or something. There, there's moments when I realize I just need to pray under my breath. Man, part of me, when I pray out loud and there's two, three people, I feel closer to God. I do. I feel closer to God when I hear my voice praying. But sometimes I realize it's so important right now that I just pray under my breath. That's just deciding your contribution. And even when the Holy Spirit leads and fills, we, are, we don't become robots. God works with us and uses us and wants to give us discernment and opportunity. And here's the final piece of this. Why do we do all this? We discern, we decide, we do it for the community. We do this for the community. Look what Paul says in verse 12. He says, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, which is great. Paul's affirming that. Hey, you're eager for the gifts of the Spirit. Try to excel in those that build up the church. So if, if, if it was an automatic download from the Holy Spirit and we had no control, why would Paul instruct the church at the time and us to say, hey, be discerning in how, where you excel in those gifts, how you use those gifts. And what's the purpose? He says that, that, the, that those gifts would build up the church. There's a word that comes up out with build up that we can see in another parts of the passage it's the word edification and to edify means to build up to grow to that someone would be impacted that someone we help someone make a spiritual step we would encourage someone that person would actually grow in their faith grow in a next step in their faith make a decision for christ uh you know help, help that person discern how to listen to the lord in that moment whatever that might mean that the church is built up look and he kind of summarizes all this in verse 26 he says What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction or a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation? And and that's not not an exhaustive list. It's just kind of when we come together, we, we contribute. But listen what he says. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Everything must be done so the church may be built up. That's Paul's heart. That's the heart of this text, teaching this first century church as they're discerning through their issue and the reason why today I wanted to talk about the discernment process and not the tongues and prophecy process is because, honestly, we don't, ha- we don't ha- recently have a major issue about someone speaking in tongues versus prophecy and all this kind of stuff. So it's like, why would we correct an issue that's not needing correcting at the moment, right? Again, Paul, for correction, it's not mis- misuse doesn't go to non-use. It goes to good use. So for me, it's like, how do we discern See, the reason we discern and decide before we do anything, it's edification. It's building each other up. It's for the sake of the community. Paul used the word in chapter 12, for the common good of everyone. And why Paul, in that moment, for the Corinthian church, says, put tongues aside when it's not appropriate. Why? Because tongues, when you're praying to God, just builds you up. But prophecy builds everybody up because they can hear and respond. And you know what that takes? You know what the the discernment and deciding towards the doing process takes? It takes maturity. 
takes maturity to discern. It takes maturity to put your needs aside. It takes maturity to slow down. It takes maturity to listen to the other, to the other person. It takes maturity to stop and say, wait a second, who's in this circle? And am what I'm doing right now in this circle, is it helping them or hurting them? Is it pushing them away or pulling them in? Is it bringing them closer to God or further from God? Are they ready to hear this or are they not ready? What is going on? And to discern and decide in the moment, that takes maturity. Now imagine the Apostle Paul who met, who, you know, who met Jesus. Jesus revealed himself to him. Paul's experienced incredible things in the Lord. As you read his letters, you read the book of Acts, you're blown away by how much Paul has experienced God in supernatural ways. And if he, who says, I speak in tongues more than all of you, if he says, I have this incredible supernatural gift that fires me up, but for the sake of others, for the sake of others, I will choose to use a better gift in the moment. What do you call that? You call that love. That's love. Everything that Paul is saying in chapter 14 comes out of chapter 13, where he says, choose the way of love. And so a a mature and robust and selfless, other-centered, discerning love that even in the use of gifts submits ourselves to God, submits ourselves to to the needs of the community to the main goal of our gifts, which is building each other up, which is building each other up. I'm gonna ask the team to come up as we close. But now I wanna just bring us back to verse one again, right? Because this really brings verse one into perspective for us. Paul says, follow the way of love. Maybe your version says pursue love. Follow the way of love. Then he says, eagerly desire the gifts. Don't stop desiring them. Eagerly desire them. And I encourage you as a church that each of us would desire the gifts of the Spirit. But remember, not just the right things, right people, right places, in the right way. Pursue the way of love. Eagerly desire the gifts. Then he says, especially prophecy. In other words, for our situation or any situation, follow the way of love. Eagerly desire the gifts. But discern your context, decide your contribution, and do it to build up the body of Christ, to build up the community. That's the heart here. And as we grow in our gifts, as we continue, as you continue exploring your gifts, as we work together in various environments to help all of us grow in this, um, whether, whatever the gifts might be, um, we want to also grow in this discernment process, in this deciding process, because The goal is the building up of each other. Now, if you have questions about the issue in Corinth, and ask me later. (laughs) Send me an email. We'll talk about it. Maybe it'll be a a future series. But for today, I want us to just kind of sit with this for a moment. You can start, Matt. And uh, we want to end our gathering. This next song just, I think, helps us with two things today. One, the heart of this song basically says, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. And ultimately... what's underneath everything that Paul has said in chapter 12, 13, and 14 around spiritual gifts is not just that we pursue spiritual gifts, but that we are open to the giver of these gifts, the Holy Spirit. And then we say, Lord, I need you. I need the work here. I welcome the work of your Holy Spirit in my life. I welcome the work of your Holy Spirit in in our church, in in our family, in my relationships, in my discernment. An overflow of the Spirit working is spiritual gifts, but the source is the Holy Spirit. So as we sing these words, Lord, I need you, I need you, 
As we've been exploring this theme together, I just encourage your heart, your expression today, just to say that to God, to, to, to make a step forward and say, I am more open to the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I am more open to the work of the Holy Spirit in our church. So that's one way we're going to sing this song, and that we're open, that we're eager, that we learn and grow in discernment, but also that we just end today and end this month before we shift into church at home, because a part of the song just, just roots us right into Jesus, roots us right into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And as we sing these words, you're going to know that we're, we want to end our time together today, standing on our faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He is King of our lives. He's King of our church. He's king of the universe, and we surrender to him. Amen. So let's stand as we, we sing together, as we wrap up in prayer, and then uh, before I send you off, I'm going to just share one or two pieces of news. But let's, let's just move into this as the team leads us. If you particularly need prayer as we're singing this song, uh, you can feel free to come to the right or the left here, and uh, myself or someone else, maybe my wife or jonathan or victoria mike or sue if they see some people and you just need prayer during this song just come and we'll, we'll pray for you before we close let's let's sing together holy spirit you are the giver of gifts and we long to be filled by you not the gifts by you and trust you to lead us and guide us empower us and gift us God, for your glory, for the common good of one another and your mission. God, may we never quench or put a lid on what you want to do in us, through us, in our church, or through our church. Lord, we just say that we stand open to all that you desire for us, God. How you want us to grow and learn, but also what you want us to experience in you and how you want to use us. And then in the particulars, God, we will long to grow in discernment and attentiveness, God. Thank you that you have not swiped over our brains, swiped over the gift of discernment that you've given us or our wills, but that you, as you fill us, you work with us. And so may we grow in discernment. May we grow in attentiveness and respond, God, to you, to our surroundings, to our context, so we can decide on the right contribution in the right moment and do it all so others are built up. Lord, we know that we've just, in some sense, touched the sur surface of this theme, but may we live it and grow it and explore it and learn along the way, along the journey even as we anticipate our fall season and how you want to use us, use our groups and ministries and environments, God, and the, the various gifts that can be brought into this. God, as we begin Church at Home next week, we just ask for an incredible blessing on that in favor, especially for some that uh, feel like they want to give up, uh, but for anybody, God, because a season might come where we need to hear this message. And then deeper than that, God, there's more in Hebrews 12 and in this text and the scriptures that I know every single person um, will uh, hear something from you, God, as we explore this topic together. We just pray for the various groups. Bless them in Jesus' name.
amen. We, we say all this, God, in your incredible, incredible name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, amen.